So we've been in a series that we started a couple weeks ago called Hashtag Asking for a Friend. And I want to preface this week because this week um, can be a touchy, uh, messy, all the above week. Um, because we're talking about a subject that is very prevalent in our culture, but can also make people uncomfortable. And so I want to try to navigate this. This is what I want to hopefully communicate in the next 20 minutes or so with you guys. I want to communicate what the Word of God has to say, but also the heart that we should have towards these people. And this is on the topic of homosexuality, okay? Because we we are going to navigate this in in a world that it's all over. If, if you're not dealing with it, somebody you probably know is. And so my goal is not to stand up here, and I'm not going to be perfect, okay? There's probably going to be some things I don't say quite the right way, and you're going to be like, well, I... Taylor, I don't know about that. But I want to hopefully communicate my heart is that I love these people. God loves these people. And we got to come alongside them, um, but also keep what the Word of God has to say. I don't want to glaze past that and say, well, we, we got to twist the Word of God to, to make that fit. No, but the Bible's clear on, on some of this. All of it, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of messy. We're trying to navigate it. But, but there's certain things the Bible says that we have to go along with, if that's what you believe, as God is the Lord of your life, this is the book he's given us, and so this is the instruction that we have. Um, but I also am going to show you another side in our response to it. What is our response as we come alongside these people? So as I get into this, I want you to know that this is what we're getting into. And I know it can be uncomfortable. I know it can be um, weird to even talk about. But trust me, this is permeating our culture, and we need to know how to navigate. We need to know how to navigate it. So as we get into this a little bit, um, I'll tell you a little story. So uh, my sister got married several years ago. On uh, It was on a Friday Friday night? Saturday night, I don't remember. One of the nights. And she got married. We had her reception at this place. It was great. You know, we're, we're, we're having desserts. We're hanging out. We're dancing, doing all this great stuff. The next morning, my parents decided that we were going to take vacation as soon as this wedding was over, which was not a good idea. But... They said, okay, we're going to go to Myrtle Beach as soon as the wedding's over. So we go um, help clean up at the reception place, and it was like probably 2 in the morning we got home. 2 in the morning we got home, and we're supposed to leave at 4 because my dad likes to get there early. That's how my dad is. Okay, We get up at 4, we go, so we can get there by like 1 in the afternoon, and then we got time to spend that day because if we go later, you get there way in the evening, and then the day's pretty much wasted. Okay? So I said, okay, we're going to get up at 4, and we're going to go. So, me and I had a buddy that I was bringing along with me, a good friend of mine, and we said, we're just not going to go to sleep, okay? We're just going to stay up because there's no point to go to sleep. We're going to sleep for two hours, and then we're going to get up, get in the van, and have to go. So, we said, we're just going to stay up. So, we stayed up. We're kind of talking, doing different things. We're sitting outside for a little while because it was, you know, it was in fall, so it wasn't super cold. And um, so, then it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and we said, okay, we need to get in the van. Everybody else will wake up. We'll get in the van. So we get in the van. My, my parents rented like a 15-passenger van. We get in the van, um, and it, all of a sudden it's now 4.15. It's now 4.30. Nobody's coming. So we're sitting in there talking to each other. We said, well, should we go wake them up? I'm like, I don't want to wake my dad up. I've seen when I've waken him up before, and I don't want to wake him up. So maybe we'll just wake this out. And then it was like 4.40, and we're like, man, we probably should go wake him up. And so we get up to get out of the van, and for some reason we can't figure out how to get out of the van. I know that sounds weird. We can't get out of the van. So we're now stuck in the van. They're not getting up. 
Um, I, at that point, I don't know why I didn't use my phone or anything. I'm like, we could have just called somebody. So we're just sitting there and we're like, well, I guess we'll wait this out. And it was like 5.45 or 4.45, 4.50, so it wasn't too much longer, that they finally, somebody wakes up and they're freaking out. They're like, oh no, we're like an hour late. We got to get up. And see, here's the other problem that, that of why they got up so early is because we were also taking my sister and her now new husband to the Columbus airport to fly out on a plane so they can go um, on their cruise for their honeymoon. So we had to be there at a certain time. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we'll get there whenever. It was like, we got to go and drop them off on the way. So they're all freaking out. They all get everything together and we get on the road um, to go down to Columbus and take them after the fiasco in the morning. So as we're driving down, we get there. Um, and anybody knows, you know, you're driving in these big cities, it gets a little wild and crazy. And so it gets a little wild and crazy as we're getting into Columbus. We finally drop my sister and her husband off, and then we get back in the car. Now, mind you, we're running on like four hours of sleep, some of us less. We're in a crazy city. We drop my sister off and her husband to go on their honeymoon, and it's just wild. And then my dad's trying to figure out where somewhere we can stop to get some food, maybe use the bathroom, and then get on our way to start going towards Myrtle Beach. And all of a sudden, everybody just starts yelling at each other. We're all in the car. Everybody's yelling. Well, I don't want to go there. Well, I, I want to get out here, and I, I got to use the bathroom, and I'm really hungry. And everybody just starts yelling at each other. And, and I just remember my buddy in the back is sitting back there, and he goes, why is everything so hostile? And then it was just like all of a sudden we like all pulled it together, and then we stopped at McDonald's, got some food and everything. And it was the joke then for, for the following week we were on vacation that there's so much hostility between us now because we couldn't figure out where we were going to stop just to go to the bathroom, get some food, and get on our way. And I feel like when we were sitting in that van, and you've been in a situation like that, there's so much tension. You could like cut it with a knife, it's so tense in there. You've been in a situation, maybe you're in an argument with a friend and there's so much tension and, and, and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to navigate it. And that's how I think we can feel when it comes to this topic. There's a lot of tension in our world because you got the church on one side saying what they believe and what the Bible says. you got the world on the other side saying something totally different than what the world's saying. And there's this tension, kind of like tug of war. Each side's pulling the rope and we got to figure out how to navigate this. How are we supposed to navigate a topic like homosexuality when we've got two separate sides saying two different things? Well, I hope as we navigate these next couple moments that I can show you the answer to this question because each, each time what the goal is is to give you a question and then to answer it from a biblical viewpoint. And this is the question we're, we're tossed with. Can you be gay and be a Christian? That's the topic I want to address. That's the question I want to address. And so as we navigate this and unpack this, here's the main idea I want you to understand. You are loved. You are loved. You're like, Taylor, that has nothing to do with the question. Yes, I'll get to it momentarily. But that's what you need to know. That's the whole idea that I'm trying to communicate as we unpack this question. You are loved. Okay, so I want to show you this first verse as we begin to tackle this question. It says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's, kingdoms, God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. 
It's very interesting. If you look at this verse, there's two key words you need to see. And then I'm going to answer the question, and you're probably going to look at me with wide eyes and say, Taylor, what do you mean by that? But here's the two words you need to keep in mind. Practice and engage. Practice and engage. Can you be gay and be a Christian? My simple answer to that is yes. Now, let me unpack it for you. Okay? We need to differentiate when we look at this word gay, homosexuality, whatever you want to say, because there is a difference between homosexual attraction and homosexual action. Okay? Attraction and action. Okay? So what this verse is saying, surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage. There is a difference between attraction and action. Same-sex attraction is something you can have, and it's like temptation. It's like temptation. There is an attraction that you have... Guy for a guy, girl for a girl. This is something that, that the world has and, and other people may have is that you can be attracted to this person, but there's a difference when you are attracted and when you act on that attraction. When you act on that attraction. We all face temptation. We all do. When we put an area like this, it's like we like to signal this kind of subject out and we say, well, this one's totally different. Well, Keep in mind that, that being attracted to the same sex is a temptation, just like putting something in front of God is a temptation. Just like sleeping with somebody other than your spouse when you're married is a temptation. And if we, if we loop in temptation as a sin, that, then what are we supposed to do with even this verse? God, this is who they're talking about. God, he understands humanity for as... As a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and without sin. So, so if we're saying temptation is a sin, then how are we supposed to believe that God, who was tempted in every way, just as you are, and was without sin, then we would be calling him a sinner? If we're looping temptation into as sin, there's a difference between temptation and action. You can be tempted to do something, but when you act on that temptation is when it's actually sin. I know, it's getting a little muddy. I'm going to try to clear it here a little bit. But let, let me take this for an example. So I worked at Walmart. Obviously, some of you know this for a long time. And I became an assistant manager at Norwalk. So um, I had some different responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities is we had this big machine. And I, there was a name for it, and I can't remember what it was. But there was this big machine that would count all of the money and balance the drawers, is what it's called. So each drawer started with a certain amount of money in the cashier drawer. So when they checked in to go into their register, they had this amount of money in there. And so when they brought it back, there should be able to be seen a difference of like how much money they did make from what they had to start with. So this machine counted it all out. And then we would bring all the money back from the day and it would count it all in so we knew how much money that we made. And, and it was this big machine. So I had to go in there a lot of times and either fix the machine, watch them do some certain things. Sometimes they had to take money out of the machine so that they could give it to what they called brinks. They were the people that came in and got all the money to take it to the bank. And they have these like armored trucks that they come every day to do. And so sometimes they had to do that. So they would need a manager to come up and like unlock the machine. Now, if I were to go in there 
And I was just standing in front of you right now, and I said, okay, I just want to confess something to you guys. I was tempted to take $1 million. I'm sorry I've messed up. Um, can you forgive me? You're probably going to sit there and say, well, Taylor, you didn't take the million dollars. You're right. But I was tempted, so I just want to make sure you guys know that I didn't act on it, but I was tempted to take a million dollars, and I just want you to know. You'd probably be like, well, Taylor, you don't really need to apologize that because you were tempted to take a million dollars. Now, if I came before you and said, well, guys, I just want to apologize. I took a million dollars. You're going to go, okay, Taylor, that's a little crossing the line. Like, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's sinful. That's theft. You know, it's very clear that we're not allowed to do that. Then you're going to start pushing back on because it's not the right thing to do. Because I acted on that temptation. There was something in me that says I want a million dollars. So even though I want it and I'm not supposed to do it, I'm going to take it anyways because I feel like it. But if I stood over here and said, wow, I'd really love a million dollars. It could change my life. It could pay off you know, student debt. It could give me a new house, a new car. But I don't take it. I'm just being tempted. So now we transfer this to, to the area of homosexuality. Somebody can have an attraction to the same sex. It's a temptation, just like if somebody was attracted to another woman and they're married. There's that same connection, but if they don't act on it, there's a temptation that they're not acting on. It's not wrong, because they're tempted. You can't control some of these things. I can't control that, that there's a woman that walks by, and I go, wow, she's pretty, and it's like, but I'm married. I'm not going to act on that because I love my life, wife. I want to stay pure to her. I want to have an amazing marriage. But there's a temptation that, that we face all around in our life. Just like I want to take a million dollars, but I'm not going to act on that because that's not right. When you have this same-sex attraction, there's a temptation. It's the moment, as the Bible says, you begin to practice. You begin to engage in that temptation. That's when it's out of bounds. That's when it's too far, when you start to move from attraction to action. Just like it says here in Romans chapter 1, this is why God lifted off His restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and serve the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praise to him forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to their disgraceful, vile passions. Inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. I know you can look at this and go, well, well, this is a little interesting, especially if you haven't heard this. The Bible is very clear that pursuing this lifestyle, actively engaging in this lifestyle, is out of bounds. is a sinful thing to do. But what I'm trying to hopefully get you to understand is that there's the other side of it, that you can have the same-sex attraction, and I'm not going to get into all these different things, born like that, wired like that. We're not getting into that. But if you have that 
and you say, I'm not going to act on it because what the Bible has called is the natural is, is a man and a woman. And that's the way that I'm going to pursue. Or if I can't do that because of that attraction, I'm going to stay single for the rest of my life because that's the only way I can navigate it. Then there's this difference between the attraction and the action. Now, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Because I think what the church can easily do is we start talking about a subject like this. And we go, okay, Taylor, we understand that if you act on this, you pursue that lifestyle, it's wrong. If you have this attraction, it's just like a temptation. Like anything else you're tempted with. If you don't act on it, that's okay. Well, what do we do with this? Because the church, we start talking about this and we go, wow, we don't want to talk about this. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, these people, they're just, they're just bad people. We just don't want them in our church. We, we keep them away. No, 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 no. We have to make sure that these people are the people we are showing love to, just like everybody else. These people that live an active lifestyle on this side, we have to make sure that we are still people that show them love. I was challenged when I look at some different passages like this one. Jesus went to Matthew's house and made himself at home. Many other tax collectors, outcasts of society, were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. We talk in an area like this and we go, well, I can't be friends with somebody that's a homosexual. I can't be friends with somebody that's um, a lesbian. I can't be friends with somebody that's gay because the Bible says we're not allowed to engage in that. And so it's like, I don't want to be friends with somebody that's pursuing an active lifestyle of sin. Well, if you look at Jesus and you look at the way that he navigated life, some of the people he spent the most time with were sinners. Some of the people that he showed so much love to were sinners. Matthew was a tax collector. If you don't know about tax collectors during that time, they were people that were known for taking money more than they were supposed to take. So they cheated people. They probably spent that money and had some nice things. Zacchaeus, another story of Jesus. He was wanting to see Jesus, a major tax collector. Like he was, there's like tax collectors and then there were like the people that were kind of like the bosses over the tax collectors. This was Zacchaeus. And then Zacchaeus then gave the money, the rest of the money to the Romans and he was allowed to take whatever he wanted. Some, some scholars and theologians believe he was one of the like biggest thugs during that time. And Jesus goes to his house for dinner. Something transformed and he said, wow, I need to give back the money that I stole. Paul is on his way on the road to Damascus to go arrest more and kill more Christians. Jesus meets him. We see this lifestyle and we go, okay, the Bible says we can't live like that. And so we just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to spend time with them. But they still are people too. They are still people that need love. They still are people that need to see who Jesus truly is. And Jesus was somebody that saw people not for what they were doing, but for who they were. And that's the way we need to look at them too. You still deserve love too. I don't agree with what you're doing, but, but I care more about you coming to know Jesus than trying to get you to change your lifestyle. The problem is when we engage, I think, into these conversations and with people that are pursuing a homosexual lifestyle is that we try to change them instead of getting them to Jesus. If this is all they know and they don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
They're not going to change their lifestyle because it's Jesus when He enters your heart and the Holy Spirit then becomes your moral compass that says, this is right, this is wrong, and convicts them, that's when they can change their lifestyle. You can't expect them to change their lifestyle if they don't have Jesus because sin is all they know. Just like Jesus didn't want you to change your lifestyle before you came to know Him. Paul is on his way to go kill more people. Jesus didn't say, well, can you go back, Paul, for a little while? As long as you don't kill anybody in six months, then you can enter into a relationship with me. That's not how Jesus works. He's on his way to go kill more people. Jesus meets him and says, Paul, you come follow me. You come follow me and start making a difference for me. And his life dramatically changes from there. He doesn't keep killing people. His life starts to transform. And so when we engage with people like this, when we love on people like this, we need to stop trying to get them to understand that they need to change their lifestyle if they're going to be a Christian. We need to start getting them to Jesus, and Jesus will be the one that changed their life. You can't change anybody. That might be the most disappointing thing you'd love to hear on a Sunday morning. You can't change anybody. I can't change anybody. I can talk till I'm blue in the face about something you're doing, some sin you're involved in, and you're never going to listen to me. Jesus is the one in the business of heart transformation. And so if you want somebody to truly transform in their lifestyle, and and especially that lifestyle, you need to get them to Jesus. If they're a Christian, you got to navigate it a little differently. You gotta navigate it differently if they're like, yes, I believe in what Jesus did. I've asked him to be a part of my life. I want to be in a relationship. Then you gotta start navigating and go, okay, if you truly believe that Jesus was the sacrifice for your sins and mine, then how can you go against what he has to say in his word? How can you go against really what Jesus has for your life? Jesus doesn't want to push these people and say you can't do this just because he doesn't like it. We weren't made, just like last week as we talked about sex before marriage, we weren't made to have sex outside of marriage. We weren't made to have same-sex attraction. We weren't made to be in same-sex relationships. We weren't made that way. And so Jesus isn't saying that because he doesn't want us to engage in it. That's not the way he created us. And so our, our goal is to push these people to Jesus, not to push them towards a lifestyle differently from what they are. And one of the biggest things we can do is love them. You've got to decipher as a Christian how much time you spend around people that are in sin. I always say it's very good and healthy to have some people that are not believers in your life. If you have a friend, or you're struggling yourself with this, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you're lost. It doesn't mean you're so sinful. It doesn't mean you're an outcast of society. It means how can I come alongside you and show you, just like Jesus, I want to come into your house. I want to have a meal with you. I just want to begin to have discussion. Do you know who Jesus is? He loves you more than anything. What you're doing, that's not, that's not you, but that's okay. I just want you to get to Jesus. That's not the way things should be. Do you know Jesus? Because he's the answer to the problem. People are not projects to fix. And I, I know this can be one of the touchiest subjects. And I think all we want to do is go out and fix them. We can. But you can come alongside somebody 
and say, I love you. I want you to know Jesus. Jesus has something different to say on this. It's not my way of trying to get you to change. I just want you to know Jesus. Because if you can come alongside and love somebody, it's going to dramatically change their life. Instead of trying to say, wow, they like girls. Or they like boys. So I'm going to figure out how I can get them to not do that. Man, if I were you, and this is just my opinion, and you know this is something they struggle with, don't even bring it up to begin with. Just show them love. Show them that I care about you. Hey, would you want to come to church with me? Hey, would you, do, do you know uh, what Jesus did for you and the amount of love he has for you? When you get them to Jesus, Jesus is going to move into their life and he's going to begin to do some work. Now, if you're sitting there and this is something you struggle with or somebody else was, and I would never tell this to anybody, I can't promise you God's going to take that away. I can't promise you that you magically get into a relationship and you're no longer same-sex attracted. I can't promise you that. You want to look at somebody like um, those that have gone to Momentum. Um, there's a guy that they've had speak a couple times. His name's Christopher Yuan. He's an amazing guy. That was his lifestyle before he came to know Jesus. He still has that attraction, but he doesn't act on it. He said, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And in order for me to continue to, to go the way God's called me, I just can't be married or in a relationship. And you could sit there and say, well, he's a Christian. Jesus should have taken it away. I can't promise God will take it away. But what I can tell you is if you get into this relationship, you're going to feel the love. And if he doesn't take it away, you have to begin to navigate and figure out how can I continue to follow Jesus without going against what his word says, which is living an active lifestyle in homosexuality. That's going to be a different discussion. That's a different discussion. But make sure you understand there is a difference. When I answer the question, yes, what I mean is, yes, you can have same-sex attraction that you don't act on and be a Christian. You cannot be a Christian and say you follow Jesus if you say, I am same-sex attracted, but I'm going to pursue that attraction and now turn it into action and live an active lifestyle of homosexuality. Both the verses I showed in Romans and in 1 Corinthians use action words. Practice, engage. That's when it starts to go too far. Living same-sex attracted is just like being tempted in other ways of sin. If you don't act on it, it's not sin. You are being tempted. Jesus was tempted. He didn't act on those. So he was without sin. You are loved. These people are loved. This is the lifestyle they have. They're still loved. They're still humans. The best thing we could do as the church is begin to see them in the eyes of Jesus. Because guess what? Every single one of these people you will rarely find in a church. Why? Because we've decided that we want to be judgmental and unloving for them. So now all of a sudden we want to reach these people, but they will never step foot in a church 
what would happen if our youth group became one of the most loving youth groups that, sure, we don't agree with the way that they're living, but we want them to know Jesus because that's the most important thing, that they felt comfortable enough to walk in here on a Sunday morning or at an event and not worry about being judged about what they're doing in their life. That would be dramatic in the eyes of Jesus. I believe Jesus would be spending time with these people if he was here on the earth today just like he was with tax collectors, other sinners, prostitutes he spent time with. Jesus would be spending time with these people because he goes, man, do you just know that if you come to know me, this relationship is so much better than what you're trying to fill your life with? We need to be loving people that help guide them towards Jesus, not trying to fix their lifestyle. And we need to understand that there's a difference between attraction and action. And just like when you're tempted and you don't act on it, it's not wrong. But the moment you begin to act on that temptation is when it becomes sin. Can you be a gay and be a Christian? Yes, if you're talking same-sex attracted. If you're talking action, no, you can't. The Bible says that's out of bounds. I close with this. I, my grandpa, some of you may know, um, if you've talked to me some, he has progressive dementia is what it's called. Progressive dementia. He was in ministry for 35 years of his life. Followed Jesus with a passion, led a church, preached, did all the things that a pastor would do. Sure, he had some struggles, but I feel like lived a pretty well lifestyle, especially from the family he came from. That was pretty rough. He was the first link, as we say, in our chain of our family that decided to accept Jesus and started the effect of all of us now following Jesus. Before him, nobody accepted Christ as their Savior. He gets out of ministry two years later and is diagnosed with progressive dementia, which is basically he can't remember anything. I go over there now, he knows a little bit about me, but he's not very comprehensive, all these different things. My grandma has to take care of him every second of the day, changing him, taking him to the bathroom, feeding him, all these different things. What if one day my grandma came to my grandpa and said, I, I, no, longer, I no longer love you because I don't want to take care of you. You're different. You're not the guy I used to know. I don't, I don't want to be with you anymore. Some of you will probably go, wow, that's pretty sad. That just because of what he was diagnosed with means she no longer loves him. means no longer she wants to be with him. Some of us, that's, that's how we can look or the church can look at homosexuality. We go, okay, that's different. I no longer want to be friends with them. I no longer want to love them. I no longer want to be around them. And it's like, just like my grandma with my grandpa, it's not like all of a sudden she can just randomly leave him because she doesn't know this person because he's not what he used to be. We can't do the same thing with these people. Well, well, that's not the way God said. It doesn't matter. They deserve love, and our goal should be getting them towards Jesus. Help these people know Jesus, not know their faults.